Welcome to the Clear Tai Chi Mastermind meeting for Friday, February 3rd, 2023. And with us today is me, Richard Clear, your resident host, Matt Hooker, who will be our presenter today. And he is the regional organizer for Maryville, Tennessee, outside of right outside of Knoxville. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Clear Tai Chi. And welcome. And Art Don in the Washington, D.C. Hi, I'm in Greenbelt, Maryland. That's about 10 miles east of Washington, D.C. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Phil, Phil um, Chan. Chan in Columbus, Georgia. All. Welcome. Perry Leg in Verona, New Jersey, outside of New York City. Yep. Hello there, Sifu. Thanks for having me. We also have uh, Paul Chansky, another instructor in Fairlawn, New Jersey, too. Uh, so thanks. Good to be here. Cool. And we have Ty Talbert in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, y'all. Good to be here. Welcome. And we have Jim Canner in Costa Rica. Hola. Glad to be here. And we have Sheila Bell, also in Costa Rica, but in different parts. Yes, it's Balance Ideal Tai Chi in Playa del Coco and in Liberia, Pura Vida. Welcome. The, uh, so the topic today is the pitfalls of Tai Chi training or improper Tai Chi training or not, or what's available in Tai Chi training. And so I guess that's the topic that Matt here is going to talk to us all about that we'll have some discussion on and so take it away yeah thank you Steve. oh wait you know what first 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 not last but not, but not least if you like anything we're talking about in this and you want to know more clear tai chi level one to get that you go to clearmartialarts.com we have it both in dvds and we have it online we also have our clear tai chi yearly gathering it has all the folks or most of the folks that you're seeing here and some other ones of our uh, serious friends, regional organizers who are teachers and students of our system that you've seen on some of the different podcasts. And that will be in June, the first week end of June, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, June like second, third, fourth, something like that this yep. year, but always the first weekend to find out whenever you're seeing this for what the next one will be and when it will be and what will be and who will be and all that good stuff. Go to Tai Chi Gathering. Dot com. Yeah. So, yeah. And please do that. Please visit those sites. Um, uh, go to careermartialarts.com and, and check out what we have for you there. Um, and uh, hopefully today I'll be uh, explaining and, and the other folks on the call will kind of be filling in some of the details as to why you might want to participate in Clear Tai Chi. Um, and the gathering is just an amazing event. And if you're interested in Tai Chi at all, Please join us there at, and, and check it out at taichigathering.com. All right. Um, so uh, so today I want to talk a little bit about the what I call the pitfalls of Tai Chi training. And what I kind of define as a pitfall is a common mistake that people make that you see maybe not, not everyone in Tai Chi, not even the majority of people in Tai Chi, but a lot of people in Tai Chi who routinely make the same kinds of mistakes and specifically because they don't know what they don't know yet, right? And so Tai Chi is a very long and deep and vast art if you're really going to get into it. And it's hard to know the whole scope of it 
before you begin, but that poses a problem for a lot of people. And that's that they end up doing things with their training that drag it out for longer than it needs to be. They don't develop as quickly as they could uh, or ideally would, or probably want to. Um, and so I wanna to talk to some uh, and, and ask the other regional organizers uh, what kinds of pitfalls they've encountered. So one of, one of the biggest kind of most glaring examples of this that I see uh, as a teacher is people who come into the school thinking that Tai Chi is just a form. They've already formed this conception that Tai Chi is just, you learn the form, you do that every day for like 20 years, and then somehow magically that turns into all these health benefits that they've heard about. And because they came in the door with that belief, it's really hard to get them out of that mindset and into the deeper parts of the education and the training that really make your form work for you. Uh, and so Clear Tai Chi has ways to do that. Um, we have a lot of students, a lot of ways to teach new students and kind of warm them up to the idea that there is more education and there's a lot more uh, that's a part of the complete art of Tai Chi and that the form is just one of those training tools. Um, but that's, that's kind of the biggest example of a common pitfall that I see people making in the Tai Chi. And that's one that, that normally beginners make. There's pitfalls all along the way in Tai Chi. Um, but I had a student uh, named Jimmy Jett, who is a, a, a great guy. And he came in with a number of health problems that he, that he wanted to resolve, um, and, and, and including like a knee issue, um, and an infection, and he ended up getting lung cancer while we were in process. He's in remission. Um, we were able to work with him and, and, you know, him with his doctors, and he's, and he's doing all right now. But um, the reason he stands out to me is that he came in the door with this idea that he, he knew that there, he actually did know that there was more to Tai Chi than just the form. He knew that there were deeper aspects of it that he could learn, but he wanted to learn the form first. And he wanted to get the choreography perfect before he learned any of the internal principles of the art. Well, that's really difficult to do. I, I can kind of understand why a beginner might think that that was possible. But once you've been in the art for any length of time, you realize that your form and the, the physical kind of positioning and the movements in it are all informed by those internal principles and that you're not going to get the choreography perfect or correct by looking at the way the moves work externally, that it really is the internal principles that kind of make the moves what they're supposed to be. Um, to a certain uh, extent, understanding the self-defense applications of the moves can make them kind of more and more correct, but it's really hard to get correct without those extra understandings. And so, uh, you know, Jimmy had to struggle at first quite a bit because he came in with this mindset that wasn't really conducive to his goals for the training, which were to fix all these different things that he had wrong with him. And what we really had to do to fix all that stuff was to get into those internal principles and some of the deeper aspects of the Tai Chi. Uh, I've had other students that have come in the door with other kinds of mental blocks or, or you know, uh, already having fallen into one of these traps. Um, but rather than share all of my stories, uh, I'll turn it, uh, turn it loose to the group and uh, ask you guys what other 
kind of beginner level pitfalls or what other common pitfalls do you see in your beginner students um, that, that can really potentially hinder people's training? Well, I think um, as, as you alluded to that people have a preconceived notion of Tai Chi as just the form and, and the postures and that they get everything, all the, all the benefits of Tai Chi from just doing the form um, and that that's where the internal aspects flow from as opposed to um learning the principles and the basic internal aspects of, of, of Tai Chi as they do the form. And um, I work with people and try to put them both together sort of and um, be sure to include instruction and inf information on on the principles of Tai Chi and how important that is to doing the form and um, getting, getting the benefit out of Tai Chi by not just doing the form, but applying the principles and as much as possible, even um, working Tai Chi principles and practices into daily life. Um, for example, the idea of the whole body moves together. It's not just individual arm, arm and leg motion. And um, an example I often give is you're in the kitchen going to say have breakfast and you're standing at the counter and then you reach up to the cabinet to open the door. Don't just throw the arm out, but just sort of move from the waist and shift the weight forward to get the cabinet door and then turn back and open the cabinet, reach in, pull out a box of cereal, say, put them down, work with that. Um, so you get the whole body, again, working together and get used to that idea. And then as you do, as I, well, in, in, in my case, as I, um, I tried to work them back and forth. And but then as I found, I did the form, I found I was keeping the whole body more um, aligned and um, synchronized together doing doing the form um, as with my body as a unit um, and then also found that throughout my daily life whatever I was doing I could um, I was my whole body was working together as a unit to perform work more efficiently for example and with more coordination so um, that's just um, one way I try to introduce the uh, Tai Chi principles into the, the form practice and have a work in daily life also. Sure, yeah. People see the, the kind of the flowery, flowy movement and they try to recreate that, but then it ends up all arms and, and if you're really- Or empty. Or empty. Even if they get the whole thing, they end up being like the inflatable out in front of the car dealership, where if you touch it, there's nothing there. I don't mean if you touch it and they're trying not to. I mean, they're going, oh, yeah, I've got my whole body in there. And you push them and it's like, mm -hmm. it's all disconnected and discombobulated and flimsy. 
But I really like your approach to that because, you know, Tai Chi does follow the natural, but it also informs our actions, you know, the study of it and the practice of it. And so using those natural kind of examples of, of the way people already move to do things. Well, the way they would ideally move. Ideally, hopefully are moving to do things and then putting that into your form practice is, uh, that's that's great. Um, Ty, you were about to weigh in there. No, um, when Sifu talked about the form being empty is that I find a lot of my beginners who come and say, well, I'm here for the health benefits. So therefore I don't need to know applications. And so, or they'll say, well, I do know an application. And, or I try to take them a little bit further and say, well, let's try to use that application. And it allows them to understand that what they were doing was empty. And if you want to get the most benefit from that form, if you spend so much time on, is that it can't be empty. It's got to actually improve upon your principles and test whether or not you actually understand those principles. So they've got to learn an application, applications with the form. Yeah. Harry, you were going to drive in with something, I thought. Uh, sure. Um, so when I have new student inquiries, and there's students that maybe know a touch about this, and they already know to ask about form and what we teach and the style and all that, uh, one of the things that I find that I've had to explain is, sure, down the street at such and such, they're teaching the 24, there's someone teaching the 38, there's the long 108 movement form. We're teaching you up front a short form, uh, perhaps the 13. We have an eight, we have a 13, and then we have a longer form for down the line. Um, and, and I'll say to them, you, you might be tempted to go, wait a minute, if they're teaching the 24 or 38 and you're only going to teach me a 13, am I getting ripped off? And like, it's so not like that. It's about quality, not quantity. You could work our 13 movement form or posture form like crazy and really get everything that should be or a lot of things that should be going on into it just quickly off the top of my head the root upper connection pung things of that sort and you could have better tai chi than someone who spent two years just getting choreography and they've got the 108 movement form and you got a 13 but i can take that person with the 108 movement form take my pinky and push them over while they're doing it meanwhile you've got the proper body quality because that is what a big part of what we're using that form for is a tool to give you actual Tai Chi skill and body qualities and energies and things of that sort. And then of course there's push hands. Well, before you go on the, uh, <laughs> in the original Tai in the Tai Chi classics, it says the original Tai Chi is 13 moves. Yeah. And then there are people that are classic scholars that would argue with the semantics of that. Sure. But where it is really 13, 13, Postures, or postures and or expressions. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. One of the other uh, mistakes, and I love Ty brought up the applications. You absolutely must learn the applications, health or not. And I never have students rebel against that, even senior citizens. I've got 80 years olds that love seeing the applications. Now, they're not doing them hardcore like, you know, we might at a, a younger level, but it is increasing uh, their uh, understanding and their efficiency of body movement and posture and all that sort of stuff, that's important for health. Um, 
with push hands, I can't tell you how many people that I've come across recently, we, we came across uh, one, and, and I'm not going to name names, a very nice person, another instructor of like 25 years, Tai Chi practitioner, who really hadn't done any push hands to speak of. And that is so common. And when it comes down to so many people thinking Tai Chi is all about that choreography, ugh, push hands is essential to Tai Chi skill. And again, my senior citizens will push hands. We're doing clears internal push hands where it is not that I'm going to blast you out of the ring uh, tournament style stuff. Now, we have some of that for those that want that, but in general, it's learning ting, your sensitivity, so that you can feel into another person, which also helps you feel into yourself. Uh, and, all, and you're going to get a better body quality. You're going to learn where you have stiffness, where you're stagnant, where you're not breathing. Do you really have root? Do you really have an internal spiral or wave or upper connection? All these things that aren't just going to magically fall into place with decades of form training only. And people are so, so frequently deluded into thinking that for a number of reasons. Um, so that's my view of, of the pitfalls and the things that I run into all the time. Um, and I, I did go to a school prior to training with Sifu Clear. That was just about form. Didn't do any push hands and barely gave, really, I'm being kind to say barely. They gave no um, corrections or teachings on the energetics on how to root in fact, I remember the first time I was asked to root uh, by another teacher, it was, all right, go ahead and root. And I went, <laughs> you know, I, I solidified that. Well, you can't, if you're just listening to the podcast, you can't see what I did. Uh, it's also a video podcast. Tense your whole upper body. Yeah. I tense my body. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go, which is the exact opposite of root. And, you know, so it's just horrific how bad the Tai Chi was. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we encounter that a lot and, and we're obviously trying to change that. Anybody else? I'll weigh in on this one. We'll weigh in last. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to share that um, what I've noticed, the biggest change I notice in my students from when they come in, they know nothing, they're brand new. And then when I see them really start to develop and, and, and get a lot of benefit out of their, their new practice is when they start to really take responsibility. Like a lot of times they'll come in the door and they think, well, I read the Tai Chi is good for you and I've got these problems. And so they want to come to class and have that fix them. And I'm like, it's not just you coming to class and what we do together. It's not just you following me. It's you actually incorporating this, internalizing it, doing it every day at home, putting it into your daily activities and feeling it and then taking charge yourself, how you feel, how you use it, you know, and really just live the, the, the Tai Chi, you know, Anytime you remember in the beginning, but then actually 24-7 because it just becomes part of you, that's when you're really going to benefit from it, not just because you come to class two hours a week. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'd like to say something about that, too, um, to repeat, I think, um, and amplify with Sheila. A lot of people come into Tai Chi thinking, okay, the class is Monday and Thursday from seven to eight. So that's my Tai Chi time. And they're not practicing other than that. They just say, that's it. So I'm coming in twice a week for two hours and, and that's my Tai Chi. And one of the things that real Tai Chi practitioners realize is, yes, how do I use this every day in real life? 
um, you know, standing in a line, you can practice your stances. You know, you can do a lot of internal work. One of the other stances, not jumping out into postures in line. Yeah, right. Internal work means people can't really see it. They may be able to feel it, but they're you know, if you're if you're projecting that energy. Something else, when I was at my old studio, students would come in um, with a couple of misconceptions, one being, oh, it's just the dance, it's just the choreography. They also came in with the idea that I have to be able to get this in a month. If you know, I've got to learn the whole thing quickly. They don't have a lot of patience. They don't understand Tai Chi as a journey. It's not a destination. And some people get it and they get into it and they enjoy it. They still want to make sure they're making progress. Uh, I think one of the things that impedes progress for students is their teachers. The instructors sometimes have a very closed mind about what they're going to teach and how they're going to teach it. So if this is the way I always do it, this is all I'm going to explain, but you need this. Well, I can't help you. I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to find a way to try to explain this so that you understand it as well. Yeah. And, and I don't think students, um, you know, instead of saying, well, I'm not understanding it, can you find a different way of explaining it? They just, they give up, which is a shame. Yeah. Anybody else? Talk, talk. I know I've always spoken, but he just sparked something in my, my mind is that it usually doesn't happen with seniors or even people who are middle-aged. But when I get students who are in their 20s or early 30s, they come in, they do some Tai Chi and they can say, I've experienced Tai Chi. I've had that experience. And they don't look upon Tai Chi as a lifestyle or something that you continue to do. It's like, well, I want to have that experience. I'm gonna come and do Tai Chi for a few months and then I'm gonna move on to my next experience. It's funny because I haven't uh, encountered so many of them that are at that stage, but I've met them like 10, 20 years later and they, they will, uh, you know, they'll oh, say I did things that. like, oh yeah, I did Tai Chi. Like, like I've accomplished Tai Chi somehow. I, and it's just, it's always an odd kind of a statement uh, that just doesn't really match with the thinking of real Tai Chi, but yes. Yeah, well, so uh, there's that mentality that, and and I'm not I'm not picking on yoga, but there is the mentality because there's a yoga place in every other corner here, and that mentality of hey, who's got the best Groupon deal this month? That's the yoga studio I'll go to. Yeah, that doesn't work in Tai Chi. You can't do that. Well, um, I will tell you, having explored yoga some over the years. It doesn't work so good for you. If you're just wanting to go take a little class and sit in and whatever, I'm going to do a little stressing or a little whatever. Sure, do that. But if you're looking for like the deeper parts of yoga, if you look at a good yoga, there are books where it's got all the different branches. One of the branches is only like breath. One of the branches is only about like conscious and this kind of a thing. And you want people who really have in-depth information on that. Groupon, they might have a Groupon. But they and, and beginner class is designed to get you to that part. But the actual teacher and all that, and for going into that, that's not going to be a Groupon deal. I actually, be, yeah, you know, you're right. Real stuff at a higher level, and it's going to be different than that. I, for a while, pre-COVID, taught at a wellness center that was primarily yoga. I was the Tai Chi guy there. 
And if you were one of the instructors there, you got to take any one of the other instructors' courses for free. Um, and so I went to a number of the yoga instructors' courses, and some of them came to mind. And still the McDonald'sization of this stuff. Um, they, How many they, of the yoga people that you met there had deep knowledge where if you said, let's get into breath and get into breath like deep and different kinds of breath for doing different kinds of things, as an example, how many of them had that knowledge that went past the McDonald's version of, of the thing? I, I would I would venture to say probably none, maybe only one. That's but the yeah, problem. there are people out there like that, and I know yeah. some. Sure, but they're few and far between. The people yeah. who had that can do classes and and show you that you know run you through a class for less than a year without doing the same thing twice. Yeah. Um, it, it's they're not going to make it a year, most of them. And yeah. then for any, every for for every hundred, two hundred, three hundred, five hundred of those, you'll get one person that actually has some deeper knowledge. Yeah. Well, and they, and they pay, I, I mean, I remember vividly one of the classes, the instructor was saying, okay, now root into the earth. Nobody was rooting into the earth. They were just paying lip service to that. The instructor did not know how to root because that instructor came to one of my classes and we did little push hands afterwards, internal and Mind was blown, um, you know, on the instructor, uh, and, and we, you know, okay, but that just shows the the quality level of what's out there. And also, when I meet people that, um, yeah, I've talked to about Tai Chi a bit. Well, I do yoga, and and I'm part of it is me inside being okay. I'm going to find out where they're at with this, and then part of it is just being very nice and making conversation. Oh, oh, great! What style of yoga? Do you, and I can't tell you how often I get. That blank stare. What do you mean style? I mean, I just well, well Anasara, uh, Hafa, uh, Bikram. Uh, what you know? What just as I, uh, well, I just do yoga, and then I'm going thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, they're you know they're more they're more interested in putting on the Lululemon stretchy pants and just you know <laughs> spending an hour. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much what style they're doing. I start talking about what branch have you really spent time in, and if they go branch, go. That takes it further. Yes. Wow. I, I, yeah. yeah. So and, what uh, what, what we get. Yeah. In Georgia is, what branch of yoga do you teach? Oh, I teach Hatha yoga, which is like, I teach the physical part with no idea of, you know, all the nuances. Yeah, right. Or they'll name it, like they'll name the yin yoga, and then you go, what are you, well, okay, cool, you're doing internal things. And it's like, no, that's not what they meant. That's yep. just a name that's assigned to this set of movements and things. And it's kind of like, oh, uh, yeah. because there is quality yoga out there. So don't yeah. Think oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's just that it's just like a, like so many things in the world today. You'll find a whole bunch of rapid fast food version. You know the McDonald's version. Yep. Uh, where they've got five minutes worth, and that's all they got, uh, or mostly what they have. And then to find the other thing is a deep, thorough, long, drawn out search where there might be you know there's a whole lot less people that have that for you to really get the better, deeper actual instruction as opposed to hey we're just doing a little class to get you kind of stretching a little bit and some body postures yep yeah that kind of brings up a, another aspect um which is why are they doing this why do they want to come in for training because i think there are those as some of the others have mentioned yeah i want to get healthy uh i heard tai chi is good because i can't do really physical stuff 
So Tai Chi is nice and slow. It's easy on the joints, et cetera, et cetera. Other people, I think, get into it because they want the social aspect of it. I remember a potential student came into a class and they saw the students doing different things. Some were all on the same page, but this was a new person said, okay, so we would get to that, but let's start off with the basics. And and they didn't come back. So I followed up and I said, why didn't you want to come back? says, well, I saw that you were, you know, trying to work with everybody individually, and that's not what I want. I want it to be, you know, where everybody's doing the same thing, and we're all part of a group doing it together. They wanted to follow along. I call the follow along Tai Chi. Literally, if you don't, if you're doing Tai Chi full time as a school, and you don't have a couple class, couple three classes a week that are follow along classes, you should do that. And that's where you're doing the little presentation of some sort. Maybe you talk about a point somewhere in there and give them a break in between. But basically, it's do the form with the nice music playing and everybody follows along. And you'll get, you could actually fill up a class like that from the general public, generally speaking, faster than you could any other class. The problem is you'll have people that have been there for six months and a year and ask them to do the form on their own and they can't. But they're thrilled to pay you every month to come and just follow along. And as a school, ideally with the personnel, you would you would have some classes running like that. But then you would also do things where it's designed to get those people more interested in the deeper parts and obviously, or if they have a need of some sort, whether that be health or otherwise, um, that's going to help address that need. And it's like you, you might want to get into some of the deeper parts of this since we have since in clear Tai Chi, all of our instructors have that. Obviously, we want to encourage people to actually do the whole art and not just to follow some moves, right? Um, and so it wouldn't be the bigger portion of your classes. At the same time, there is a market there for that. Well, and I will also say, and this is, I'm getting a little ahead of myself to say this, but the clear level one material makes it easy for teachers to have a basically follow along class that meets kind of people's expectations typically coming in off the street, but that presents real education and that actually gets them in the spirit of what Tai Chi is and what it can do for them. Um, uh, you do you do have to, you know, be mindful of that and uh, and attentive to that as a teacher, uh, because the curriculum just, you know, it is what it is, but it, it allows for that um really really well at least that was my experience when i was teaching the the beginner classes much more regularly um i, I know i know some of you we've we've talked about this um uh, but 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 i i do want to get on to our next point here because some some of you got a little uh into this uh but i want to give you a chance to think about it a little bit well, more. let me let me tell you about two two oh two sorry things I that I had here I was there anybody else that had anything <laughs> to say first before that Okay, so I had a guy come in that was sent by a, a doctor to me specifically to study. And he said, doctor told me I got to come here and do Tai Chi. And I said, why? He said, I don't know. I'm like, he told you, and he said, and he said specifically for me. And I was like, okay, for me. And I was like, well, what do you got going on? What kind of things? And he says, oh, um, like I'm a heart patient and I'm, I'm a hypertense. And like you said, that if I don't start doing something that's going to calm me down and, and cause everything to kind of be much more calmer and like Tai Chi is going to be great for this, then I'm going to die soon. And I went, okay, all right. So, all right, so we'll, we'll do some Tai Chi. Come out on the floor, did the first move, go up and relax and roll it like that and sing. 
and stop. Hey, hey, what? Of what? You know, this is the guy. What? He was like, so this is because we're getting started and it's going to go faster than this, right? Went, oh, no. This is the fact <laughs> Like you're doing, we're doing that so you can get calming and that kind of a thing. But he was like, it doesn't, it doesn't go faster. And I said, no, for what you need, we're actually, once you get it, we're going to even slow that down and be more placid. And it was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Hey, I'm sorry for wasting your time. Have this stuff and out the door. <laughs> like, okay, then. So yeah, he knew it was, he knew the doctor was saying, you're going to die from this. But that's what was going on. He just didn't have the, the thing for it so ideally i'm uh, today doing that i would have walked him through okay let's do this even a little bit faster but and then you were still going to work on making it more placid as you're able but the guy was just not having that at all anyways so there was that one the other one was i had a one day i had a guy come in who was early 20s whatever and he had read up on tai chi or, or looked it up and saw different things on it and was like there's all this stuff Tai Chi's got these great things. And he asked me some questions. And a lot of it was things that were for the average person had never seen it. it would sound a little more fantastic. But most of what he asked me was like, oh, yeah, that that is very doable. Whatever it is. Can you touch somebody and send them flying kind of stuff? You know, just something that's like that. Yeah, it's, that's doable. That's doable. Okay. And, of course, we start. Do you have any movements at all? No. Okay. Well, we, we'll start you with a few movements. It doesn't have to be a lot, but like 8 or 13. And then we'll, from there, we'll start really imparting that. I'll even show you as we go um like that and the guy said okay but here's the thing i want the real stuff so when you're showing me the form moves like do it the way that you would do it and i was like you really shouldn't do it the way that i would do it it's going to make it so that you can't walk tomorrow morning when you get out when you go to get out of bed that's been my normal experience of that and it's going to be a problem to you you're not going to be ready for that yet so i don't mind training you into that and and fairly quickly but you shouldn't start there and he was like, no, no, I got to have the real thing. I got to have the real thing. I got to have it. And like, I want you to do it the way you would do it. If it was like, if like, like it just the realest real you got. Um, I want the real stuff. Don't pull any punches. Don't nothing. And I was like, man, you're not really going to be. And it was like, no, I really only want the real thing. All right. Okay. You're sure. And I said, you're not, you know, your body's going to hurt tomorrow. That's what's going to go on. And I know that sounds strange to so somebody who's thinking, I see how is your body going to hurt? But I went and said, okay, come up, sunk to the level that I'm able to sink it at, had him come down there, came around, you know, did it through, never came back. And I don't know what happened. I knew, I knew from when he walked out with his legs wobbly that I'm like, tomorrow morning, this guy's going to wake up. His legs are going to be killing him. He ain't going to be able to walk. He's not going to be able to walk. And then that's it. And that's exactly what, what happened. So that was an interesting problem, but kind of the opposite of, of most of what we experienced in both cases, sort of, of what you right. think, right? The extreme ends of those things. <laughs> yeah. Um, you actually reminded me of one uh, I, I will share quickly before we get on to the next bit here, but um, it's important for people who are listening who are thinking about doing Tai Chi um, or, uh, you know, maybe, maybe haven't started yet, but want to, um, because one of the things that I get a fair bit from prospective students is whatever it is they want the Tai Chi for, like there's something off that they're trying to heal or fix or whatever. Normally they, uh, not normally, but a lot of times people will let that thing be what stops them from starting the Tai Chi. So like I had a lady who came in with extreme vertigo and her big concern, she wanted the Tai Chi to help with the vertigo, 
but she was worried that the vertigo wouldn't let her participate in the classes. And so what she kind of wanted to do, and I, and I talked her out of it and she joined our classes and got a lot of benefit really, really quickly. Um, but what she wanted to do was wait until her vertigo medication had been like resolved well enough so that she could come in and participate in the classes. And I've had uh, uh, people with heart conditions who are worried that, you know, that that needs to get healthier before they can start doing Tai Chi, or my knee needs to feel better before I can start doing the Tai Chi. And that, that is one of the, to me, one of the, the almost funniest pitfalls because the type, that's what the Tai Chi's for is to help you with all of those things, but it can only work if you actually start it. You know, if you actually are doing it. No, that doesn't. Now, what he's leaving out there is that I mean, you may have to modify something that you would normally do to that person's level of being good with it and helping them, knowing that it'll get more difficult and sophisticated later, right? So that as they build into it, but that so you're going to meet them where they're at. It's not that you're going to go, okay, we're doing this. You're not okay for that. So hey, bend your knees deep when you're doing the tai chi because they've right. got bad knee problems, right? No, it's going to be like you're barely. You're just going to take the knee and take it from a locked position to not locked in the beginning it was going to be really high up, but then how's that treating you? And then what else can, there's some other things in the stepping and things that can really, depending on what the problem is, can really help with that. And so it's going to be meeting them where they're at for helping them with the idea that it will slowly increase like, like physical therapy of a certain, in a certain kind of way to get better. But it's, but that's dependent on the instructor to understand that and to put that into place correctly so that the student can then get that benefit, which he is doing that. So that's why I'm pointing it out. Yeah, well, like for the <laughs> lady with the vertigo, what I what I had to explain to her was that the Tai Chi could be done in a chair and that she could get a lot of benefit out of that. And so she didn't have to worry about like healing over on the floor or anything that we would uh -huh. modify it for her needs. And I actually had to write into the contract for her. I had to modify her contract uh, that if her doctor told her that she could not continue with the Tai Chi, that we would, you know, end the contract right there with no further payments. Of course, neither of those things happened. Actually, eight weeks into her program, she came back to me and said, my vertigo doctor took me off my medication and told me whatever I'm doing, I need to keep doing that. And uh, in and that case, make sure to tell them, please tell your doctor you're doing Tai Chi. Yeah. Clear yes. Tai Chi. <laughs> send, send us uh, your, your people. but. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that that is one of the sort of more common ones I see in prospective Tai Chi students. Um, and so I wanted to get that out there for anyone who is thinking about doing Tai Chi. If you if you have a good qualified teacher who knows how to modify it for you and who knows how to work with you where you're at, then just get started and and they will work with you and you should see those kinds of improvements. Um, but make sure they know what it is you've got going on. So if they have to take something and do it a little less or a little softer, or like, let's say you can't stand for very long, they can give you the chair version. All of our instructors know that. And so they can do it that way. <clears throat> like that. And then uh, some type, some other Tai Chi teachers have a chair version, some don't. Um, and so it depends on the teacher, but you should let them know up front what you got going on and see if they can accommodate you so that you, they can build you into doing it at whatever your best way you're going to be able to do it at a more, you know, in a more advanced level of practice, but obviously starting you out at, at the level where they meet you where you are and then slowly elevate that up with getting you the benefits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all right. Um, Phil, were you 
I saw your you took no, I, I I I just want to underline what you said is and that a lot of people when they when they start Tai Chi, they think there's only one way of doing any particular move. And and what you're talking about is there are many different ways of doing it correctly, and it depends on your physical condition. It depends on your level of skill, whether you're a beginner or very advanced. It depends if you're doing an application. It depends what you're trying to achieve in the application. One application may have three or four different self-defense goals, and depending what you want, or health it will vary. Yeah. And and one of the things you, you bring in very early, which I found frustrating when I first worked with it, but I see the value of it now is in the level one, you teach a short form, but you teach different expressions of it. 20, at least so 20, you have 20. swimming dragon and you have it doing heavy and you have it, you know, you can do the wave through it. So there are many different ways of doing the movements. Yeah. Uh, depending on what you're trying to achieve. So anyway, yeah. By the way, all of the senior masters that I've learned from have that. They all have it. So when people go, I know they always do it the same way publicly. Ah, if you're yes, asking right. one of their students, they all have multiple, multiple, multiple ways of doing those same moves, variations. And anybody that's been with them a long time, one of the bigger complaints, Dr. Wu, my first set of teachers there, I was with Tyrone, who was with under Dr. Wu, and we would go on Sundays, and I didn't go a lot, but, but went and do that. And people that were there for a long time who didn't understand because for some for whatever reason they didn't get it would be like he's always changing the moves. He didn't change the moves. There were these different ways to do the moves, and depending on where they were at in their development, he would give them a new way to go about it for another expression or aspect of what the thing is. And every teacher I've had that's been high level, and it's been a lot, um, more than twenty for that. Um, that's been the case, but most people don't see that especially if they're just coming and doing a beginning looky loo class, because that is all the same, because they're trying to get you up where you've got the basics of the moves and that kind of thing. It's only once you're in there really studying that you start to see the, and they, and they've accepted you as a real student, as opposed to uh, somebody kicking the tires and you're paying a hundred dollars, you know, whatever it is for six weeks or three months, or you're just a beginner who may not be around for any longer than that. Then those people only see kind of one way, but once you're actually in the club, so to speak, then usually you'll start to see, okay, he did it that way. He's been doing it that way. And now he's showing me something else. And you do that for a while. And then now there's a different way. And that keeps happening. Yeah. One of the um, high level teachers that I studied with took it to another extreme. He never did a move the same way twice. Yeah, never did it the same way twice. <laughs> yeah. Never. Uncle's very good for doing it. My current long-term teacher is is one where you might not see him do it the same way like people ask him if he's done something on the floor showing in front of a big crowd and they go oh can we see that again it'll be completely different completely different yes completely different and they're like well i actually see that move and he's like oh this one and he'll do something completely different again and about the third or fourth time out you can see them going uh and then he's like, it's the same move because in his mind it is because mm -hmm. the expression is the same. They were trying to look at whether your hand was here or there or there, thinking that that was what the point of what he was saying was, and it wasn't. 
the, the like if it was waving, for example, it would be that, or if it was some kind of an internal like sinking root, it was that, or it was something else. And so he's going, you're missing the point. You're too busy looking at this, and you don't understand what he, and you don't understand what he's really teaching you. And what he's teaching is a lot more advanced than that. And it's like this is true no matter what the movement is. And and so yeah, and the seniors are always typically not everybody, but and not me for the most part, but they're watching the, the people in the room doing this, especially if they've got a lot of ego and attitude, driving himself crazy, trying to figure out what he's what he's doing. And it's just it's towards hilarious because they're like, you know, they're out there really trying to imitate the moves. And it's like, and you can tell that even if the move was just throw your hand out like this, they're not doing what he was actually teaching. They're yeah. moving their hands around in the air, trying to look like what he was teaching, but it's not I used what, to love not watching the engineers in my class trying to go ahead and reconstruct it and i'm like ah, too much too much left brain yep yep all right um so some of you kind of touched on this already but um i want to i want to frame it in a little bit more for you and get you thinking about it in this way so we've talked some about the the pitfalls that beginners can experience and prospective students can experience but there are pitfalls kind of all along the way in Tai Chi. Um, and when I really first started looking for the real stuff, I got, I got exposed to kind of what real Tai Chi involved when I was in fifth grade, but I didn't really start looking for it until I was in my 20s. And when I started looking for it, what I met were a lot of Tai Chi students were very proud of what they had done and it was more than just the form and they had some push hands training and they had this good lineage and they had this good teacher and they didn't have a lot of skill to show for it and they knew it and they and what i kept hearing was oh but you should see my teacher my teacher is so great and, but my question always was well what about his students are any of them getting it are you like just a slow learner or something or are you really representative of the group here and what i found over and over again was there were a lot of people who were really proud of their teacher, but didn't have a lot to show for it themselves. And some of these people had been with this teacher for 10, 20 years. And so I knew I didn't want to go that route. Um, and uh, and so, you know, there, there could be any number of reasons why people end up uh, doing that. Either they just don't know what they don't know. Um, they're, you know, they've really dedicated themselves to a teacher who is who is actively holding out. Um, or maybe the teacher really has skill and kind of wants to impart it, but just doesn't know quite how to get it across. Like, especially in the West, if you have a Chinese teacher, there could be language barriers or cultural barriers or any number of other things that are just getting in the way of that, even with the best of intentions. Um, and or the practice that they do is only in class and they don't practice the rest of the time. That too. <laughs> That's one that can affect people. Uh, even if the, the teacher is really imparting, yeah, it's still, they still got to do the work. Yeah. But if you see everyone in the class is still very low level, but the teacher has this amazing skill and, you know, the 10, 20 year people, none of them are really getting any of that. To me, that's a red flag. Um, and so, you know, I spent a lot of my kind of early years really searching out a quality teacher who I knew would impart the skills. And the way I did that was I looked at their students and what could they do. Um, and that is finally what led me to Clear Tai Chi and and caused me to move down here and do the training the way I do with with Sifa Clear. Um, but the uh, but the point is that there are, are there are pitfalls that people can kind of fall into 
um, that, and, and maybe even stay in for as long as 20 years into their development is not just a beginner thing. And so uh, my question for the group is, what other examples of that have you seen that, uh, that have informed your training along the way? <laughs> He's got two fingers up. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, there's, there's clearly many reasons for what you are describing here. You know, so um, I'll offer a couple here. Um, one, uh, perhaps due to cultural uh, situations, um, it can be inappropriate for the student to really work with their teacher in the way that's really going to impart skill. I can tell you with Sifu Clear, while obviously there is a huge level of respect and whatnot, quite frankly, he's like, yeah, bring it on. I want, give me what you've got. I want to feel it. My favorite words for pushing is shove me. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and for anyone that has seen videos of Sifu Clear uh, in action with his students, he doesn't mind being on video, being moved by one of his students. It is not carefully edited and crafted to make him look like God, like happens with so many others. I can, now, I know better, but you know, if, if Sifu turns everything on, I am not moving him. But there's going, at least, you know, but also the other, the other side of that is, if one of your students can never move you, are you really imparting the skill? Are you really letting them build that up? If I move Sifu, it, 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 you know, it depends what he's doing and what the situation is, of course. But if we're working on something and he's showing me and, and I catch him, he'll be, oh, yeah, good. Do that again, and he'll adjust, or he'll, you know, he'll change the channel or whatever, which, which is great. But there's no losing face on Sifu's part because one of us moved him, and it well, should be that way. And so the way I'll put it to you is, as a teacher, if you had somebody in preschool and you are in college, and you're going to teach them some kind of, let's say it's English, and you're going to use three and four syllable words, five syllable words, you know, big words. To teach the preschooler, they don't know. They don't understand a word you're saying, right? And so you're going to be able to semantically, word-wise, be all over them, and they're not going to be able to say or do anything intelligent. Mostly, not be able to say or do much about it. And even when they do say something, you can still blah blah blah, blah that, and they don't even know what you said. Yeah. And so if you're going to teach them or bring them along, what do you have to do? You're going to have to go back down to one and two syllable words that they understand, said in a way that they can understand. And then if you're having that discussion, they may say something that's brilliant or that really does trump what you said. Yeah. Where it's like, good point you just made. Yeah. And you can always go jump back up to high school or college and really be all over them again where they can't say anything intelligent back to it because they don't even know what you said. But are you teaching them or are you, or are you always going to be at, I'm at a college level? They're, they're a preschooler and they're never going to get above preschool or they'll barely maybe make it up to some kindergarten they're not going to get past that because they can't even understand what you're talking about. They can't understand what you're doing. They can't understand how you're doing it. They have no basis. And so, um, and so as a teacher, you have to go to where the student, you have to meet the student where they are instead of working from up here and going, well, come up here towards where I'm at. Ha <laughs> ha, that will never happen. Right. You know, that, which is what happens with that. Uh, you have to go down there where they're at. And if you're out actually where they're at, or even just barely above where they are, 
they're going to catch you sometimes. That's just yep. how that is. And what happens, a lot of people, for whatever reason, there's an ego baked into a lot of people doing this where it's like, mm -mm, that's never going to happen. And so I'm always going to be in, in college or having a doctorate degree level of talking about this. And, and that's what's going on. And so they're always in their physical body going to be at the top, towards the top end of the game. And it's like, well, of course they can't catch you. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a little kid catching an adult. If it was a physical thing, catching an adult. But if you can play the game and, and go down towards where they're at, I call it handicapping yourself so that instead of being a like somebody that's a full physical specimen of a 25-year-old playing with the four-year-old, you're doing it so that you're handicapped to the place of being able to interact with the four-year-old. But you still know what you know so that you can point out things. Anytime they go, well, you're not doing that. Well, no, because I'm down here towards where you're at. Here, I'll step that up a little bit. Now you can feel that and now and you only did a little bit so that they can get insight to how you're doing it. And then every once in a while, somebody like Harry will go, can I feel what that's like at a high level? Sure. Yeah. Bang. You know, and then he's like, <laughs> ah, OK. Yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, now six feet further away than he was when he started. Yes, yeah. yes. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go back down to a level where you're going to catch me sometimes or quite a bit. Sure. And then you just let you feel that and feel that and see that and everything else. And now you can learn it. And yeah. then we step you up to kindergarten and the first grade and the third grade and then the fifth grade and then the eighth grade and then high school and then like that. And so it's a learning progression so that you get students who've been doing this for a while. They start to get real skill. But if you're always doing your skill up here and they're always in preschool, they're always going to be at best like somebody who's in the, in the first or second grade. They're not going to get past that because they don't have a, you're not giving them a, me a, a mechanism, a method, a way. You're not giving them a way to do it. Yeah. So one of the other things that uh, I see and, and that certainly I, I learned from you, Sifu, is that um, a lot of people get a little taste, a little taste, a little taste, and they don't work any of the body qualities or skills or energies to begin to really own it. So for example, my very first student ever, uh, Alex, um, I took him to a, a large Tai Chi event. You were teaching there and there was a bunch of workshops all weekend long. And back then there were around about a couple of hundred practitioners and teachers that all came together. And I had taught, I had told Alex, I said, now, when you get out there on the floor and you start pushing hands with a bunch of people, you know, you're obviously going to be polite. You're going to do what you're going to do, you know, and make good conversation. You're going to run into people that have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years. And you're going to be, yeah. And you're going to be moving them because he had only been with me for six months. What is one of the very first things we work on in clear Tai Chi? It's root, serious root going way down. And, and Alex had really worked it. And he, he had kind of forgotten about that conversation because uh, I had told him that, I don't know, a few weeks before, a month before, whatever. And he comes up to me and he goes, why am I moving people? They've been doing this for over a decade. Like, well, because you got root and they don't. And I told you. <laughs> so one of the things that you uh, regularly have done for me is I would get a new whatever it might be, skill, uh, body quality, and you knew that you would see me, you know, every three or four months between all the various stuff. And you would tell me, 
Between now and the next time I see you three months from now, every push hands meetup you go to, every interaction, I want you working this skill like crazy. Don't go working a bunch of others. Focus on this. And when I see you in a few months, I better be feeling a difference. And so I would be, and you know, and, and, and you will talk about, you know, well, you've got the kindergarten version of that, or now you're in high school, it goes to PhD. And I would keep coming up to, okay, well, now you're in, uh, you're getting your bachelor's with that. You got more work to do, but that's good. Um, and, and that's just a way of, of gauging it and root being one of them. Um, and, and so I would really work it, but I always see people, oh yeah, I can spiral or I can this, or I can that. And they've right. got what I call the, the dribbling faucet version of that drip, drip, drip versus full on. Do you really own that? And I also don't think many Tai Chi practitioners and perhaps teachers don't realize or have never felt the full on open that faucet full blast with whatever quality it is. I don't think they realize it goes there. Well, a lot of times too, if they've been with a senior master for the thing we were talking about before, where they're always playing at a high level, they may have felt it. The teacher didn't tell them what it was and they didn't realize what they were full and feeling a much more full capability of. All they knew is that they touched the person and were flying out. They don't know how it happened. Yes. They don't have any knowledge or anything to gauge by to have any clue about how to even remotely try to approach getting some of that skill and it's it's not that this is true 100 percent of the time but it's true a lot yeah yeah we call that the thimble full of skill and uh and if yeah, they've had some education and if they don't have an education if they don't even have that they don't even have a thimble full but if they've like okay i'm supposed to root and they didn't have any good instruction or or bringing them along towards up to the levels of what that really looks like they'll have that, you know, that thimble full of root, which is great for anybody, everybody who doesn't have any, but doesn't work very well against somebody who actually understands that particular energy. And there's 36 primary energies or genes and root is one of them. And that pitfall could be a teaching thing, but a lot of times it is uh, an ego thing. People get a little bit of that skill and they're very proud of, of their, that accomplishment. And if they're only in a room with people with, uh, you know, nobody else have in any. the room has, has any, and they've got a little bit, it's beaten them all. And so they don't feel the need to go any further with it. But And they didn't realize that they had other benefits out of doing it. Right. Well, and that's an easy trap if you don't have the right attitude to fall into. I, I visited... Uh, uh, another Tai Chi friend out of town who brought some of his students and I was with someone else as well. And their students looked at me and, and the other as if we were masters and, and, and we know better, but, but compared to in the room, holy cow. And if you just let your ego get out of control, yeah, that's, yeah, that's not going to work. It's going to be a problem. Well, to paraphrase the classics, it seems like four ounces seems like a thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Four ounces seems like a thousand pounds instead of four ounces. Yeah. Yeah. You, Jim, you looked like you had something, uh, Joanna. Was that it or were you going to add another? No. Okay. Um, Ty, were you? Yes. Okay. Um, it goes back to ego. And I find that I'll come across people who are at high school level. Or, or lower, and you show them something that's above their level, and they're like, well, but I've spent 20 years getting to this level, 30 years getting to this level. I'm like, 
you could go to a higher level, but you may have to take a step backwards and work on these other things, and then you can move forward. And usually they're not willing to take that step backwards to move forward. They It's like, okay, I'm good where I'm at. I spent 20 years getting here. I'm not going to take that step backward so I can move forward. Well, I will tell you that most of the time when I've experienced that, most of the time when I've experienced that, it's been that that's not a step back. It's there's these other skill sets you don't currently have, and you're mm -hmm. going to have to work on those if you want to take these things and go up to a higher level with it. Right. And they think of it as taking a step back, and I'm like, there's not a step back. This is something you should have got. You don't have it. You know, if you left your house without your keys for your car, and you're going to take your car and go somewhere, and let's say it's a quarter of a mile hike to get from your house to your car because you're a big property or whatever, but you forgot your keys and you realize when you get the car, you go, nope, I'm just going to push the car down the driveway and out onto the road, or are you going to go back and get your keys? <laughs> well, it's a step back to the house. No, it's you need keys, and right now you don't have keys. I wish I had that earlier. I like that analogy a lot. Yes. <laughs> things clear tai chi uh, does very well is uh, use um relatable analogies and that's mostly thanks to this guy but um but that's that's a particularly good one i'm going to use that so am I. <laughs> well because you know that's if we're talking about why clear chi, clear tai chi is different than other tai chi's i think part of it is that as instructors we all know that we've got some really good stuff we're working on and there's so much more down the road to aspire to and to practice for. But at the same time, we love what we do and we want to share it. And I think we all get this from you, Sifu, is just, okay, if this is not working, let me do it this way. And if that's not working, let me see if I can do it this way. And maybe I'll have to get back to you, but let me explore ways to be able to share this. And I think one of the things that is very appealing to people- I'm hearing you right, you're saying we're putting time into how to convey and teach it. Yeah. Right. It's not just this is how I teach it and the discussion. But part of that, I think, and tying in also what Ty was saying with ego, there's not just the ego of the student. I don't want to unlearn. I don't want, want to admit that what I've been doing for 20 years was not the correct or the best way to do it. And I have to let go of that. It's hard to do that. But I think there's also the ego of the teachers in wanting to maintain that, that mystic um, betterness than their students. You know, and, and it's, there's a number of reasons why they're hiding the information. And that is quite that is one of the common ones. Yeah. They start teaching everybody they worry everybody's going to catch up to where they're at. And then, you know, and then they're getting if it's pushing that they're getting pushed and owned by people who put in more time and effort than they have. Right. And, and one of the things I love about the clear teachers is that it's like, oh, you know, let's do this. I'm not going to hide anything. If I if I don't if I'm not going to show you something, it's because you're not ready for it. It's not because I, I, I'm not going to give it to you. It's just when you're ready for it, then we'll do it. And, and I think that's a really, really th uh, important distinction in the school, in the clear method, as compared to a lot of other teachers that I've experienced. Yeah, a couple, a couple of things for me in my own development. When I hit about 10 years of really having it, where I put in a minimum of 15 hours a week, that was a slow week, where I put in 15 hours of training, training time. And on other ones, I put in probably four hours a day on the average anyways. And when I hit the 10 year mark of that and realized where I was at compared to anybody else who's putting hands on, I was like, start doing the work to catch up to me. And I was still working. So I knew that I was gonna keep going. Well, now I've been doing that at, I'm at about the 40, well, 
I started in 76, but even if we count Tai Chi from first Tai Chi stuff from 1979, we're still talking about 40, 44 years, give or take, you know, 45 years worth, uh, just as, a, as an average there for, for from when I started studying initially. And at 45 years out and doing that, it's like if you take the rest for most people, if you take the rest of your life and you start hitting it like you're on a treadmill, you'll stand a chance of catching up to me right about the time I'm on, I'm on my deathbed. If I get to do that. The uh, otherwise, you're never going to catch up to me. So please, by all means, do this. And I'm shoveling it, trying to be careful that I don't overwhelm people. But do this. And it makes the difference there because it's I've got no reason to hold out because if you start going on the treadmill like every day going, it'll be years and years and years and years and years before you can catch up to what I've been doing for the last 40 plus. Uh, and so I have no none of the worries about somebody catching up to me that some of these folks have. The senior masters don't have most of them don't have that problem either for the same kind of a reason. Uh, but then there's this thing about loyalty to your senior students and um, and keeping the tradition. And also when you're passing it to your kids, making sure that they can pick up from where you left off and keep making. It's about the money and all these other things. And for me, it's been if it's a, somebody come new that comes along, and jumps in there and they start hitting it. And let's say most of the people that you see on these calls with us are the senior students. And they go, well, they might catch up. And at that point, what my discussion with my senior student is, what are you doing? What do you mean they're going to catch up to you? You've been doing this for 10 or 12 years already? Seriously? And if you keep doing it, they're not going to catch up to you. They have to be training more than you, more often than you, with more dedication than you, with understanding. And they have to be doing all of it to catch up to you. And that's if you sat still where you're at now. So they're going to be 10 years further along. Let's say they do, they do that. And you're going to be 10 years further along. They still shouldn't have caught up to you. And if they're worried that they are, that isn't about them and what they're being taught now. That's about you. And that's where the problem needs to be addressed or the, the thing that needs to be fixed is that. And it'd be different if it was being held out and being doled out really slow and not being, not really being made available and all that kind of thing, but it is. So, so I don't even understand and with the art, if the art was like three years and you could really have the whole thing really, really through and through, I'd be like, oh, I get it. It's just not that long for anybody who's really dedicating to it. But Tai Chi has is, is got a lot. It's deep. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to do with it. It's almost most of it is like really super cool, like really neat stuff, um, intellectually stimulating and physically stimulating and spiritually, you know, a certain aspect of spirit stimulating and all those things. And it's, and it's got depth, real depth, real, like, like 25 plus years of, of real dedicated study and work in it kind of depth, um, minimum. Right. And so what is going on with all that? And I have to think that it's all about money and people, not everybody, but a certain large segment of the population more today than used to be. It's lazy. And, you know, why would somebody do that? It's called, you know, you make plenty of money if you're really doing it and really teaching it. And that, that will continue. Just like Pete, there's, there's gymnastics schools. And gymnastics have been part of our culture for how long now? Since before World War II, you know, more 100 years, right? Um, and there's money in it still. 
you still run run gymnastics classes and teach because people and i'm using that as an example of course that's little kids but any skill basket weaving um if somebody offered basket weaving classes and that's the one I always used for the joke but there are people including possibly me who would take that class if it was really something about skillful work and all that you're never going to run out of people to teach it to unless everybody in their home was doing it and everybody was teaching it to their kids that happens with almost nothing in the society as it exists today and especially not with something that's as sophisticated as tai chi yeah tai chi twin um it doesn't happen with english or math you get it in grade school so i'm not worried about people overtaking it and making it so that we can't make a living doing it i think that part's easy and then the other part is if we're all training to be the best that we can be i don't worry about somebody who's 40 something years behind or even in the case of most of you 10 or more years behind I'm not worried about them catching up to you if you're worried about them catching up to you like i said it's not about what they're doing or not doing that's about what you're doing or not doing jim you've had your hand up for a bit yeah i was going to say you you triggered something that i wanted to address which is one of the questions that students should have when they start tai chi is am i getting the real stuff am i getting the real tai chi and not just the choreography and sifu you brought up something very very interesting I think if you you can tell that you're getting real Tai Chi training, because if you work it for an hour or you work it for four hours, after four hours, you're going to see a big difference. Well, I mean, if you just jumped into that as a beginner, you're going to see a big difference. You're not going to be able to walk and you're going to be bedridden for a day. But but your skill level into it, then, yeah. Yeah. But but if you're working it and working it and working it and you're not really seeing a progression, you know, it might be it might be instead of this it becomes this or this but it's not really going to be changing that's not the real tai chi that's the choreography problem is people don't know what they don't know in any industry and so how how would you know this and and i can't tell you how many times you know, my coffee shop down the street um, at the, the group table. Hey, did you know it's, the, it's somebody will be sitting next to me? Did you know that they're offering? And I don't want to say the name, uh, but it, it's one of those corporate Tai Chi programs at another community center down the street. And they're like, yeah, I was thinking of signing up for that. And um, ah, yeah. and, and I've had some students um, who uh, senior students who for social reasons and for uh, proximity went to one of those particular programs and then came back to me and went, oh my God, it was just like you said, they, they just standing there doing, you know, this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad to have that report. So, you know, I'm not shoveling it. It's, that is what it is. But how do these people know that? They have no idea. And then the thing that happens is their idea of tai chi gets damaged they think oh i did tai chi it's about it for me because yes the other thing is when somebody said hey they're doing that i'm like yeah there's a new mcdonald's opening on every street corner but you know i prefer really if i'm going to eat a hamburger and i normally don't but i'm going to have a i'm going to have a really super quality preferably grill you know uh grade a meat grilled on the grill at home with all the other things because it destroys anything McDonald's has has or ever will produce. And, you know, and there's a whole different thing going on there. And that's what this is. This is, you're, you're talking to me about McDonald's. It's not even necessarily a real hamburger. 
And I'm looking at you like, well, I don't know what you're saying because, you know. Well, and that would get into a whole different lengthy discussion of I, your average person does know that and that even that goes to McDonald's knows what you're getting versus at the steakhouse. Yeah. But how do, I, I was say, so the worst thing there is the, the service they're doing to the community as a whole, because people end up thinking that's what Tai Chi is. And it's like, right. no, the problem with that is, is you only ever ate at McDonald's always being told that was a hamburger. And you assumed that that was a steak. I actually encountered that one firsthand for real in France. Uh, there uh, we, we had to make, dinner for a guy who was working on his third michelin star and he uh we made him cheeseburgers <laughs> and when he found out that we, that's what we were going to make for dinner he was like appalled because that's that was only his only experience of cheeseburgers was mcdonald's and when we made like real burgers with the you know the the real good thick patty and with the, the egg in it and the onion in it and all the, that stuff yeah it yeah, was it was like a completely grill. different experience for him he'd never had anything like that he didn't realize a hamburger could be that yeah and that's the, that's you know, the problem that, with tai chi is they don't realize what the reality of that is versus what that fast food super fast food low budget version is and it yeah, goes back and, to what you were saying about the price shoppers too uh, you know of course they're if they think all tai chi is the same then they're going to look for the best discount and that's going to be how they're going to make their decision uh but you know there's there's differences uh for sure in quality and uh and if you can communicate that well enough then hopefully people can make better and more informed decisions about where they're going to study you know um art it looked like you were trying to weigh in but it may have just been that you shuffled around on me were you did you have something you wanted no, to say? i was just really stretching oh. <laughs> <laughs> um i will say though unfortunately there's there are a lot of people who really just like the um Tai Chi as choreography and uh, practicing once or twice a week. And that's for whatever reason, um, all, all they want and are happy with that. They just wanted to do some movement and they wanted to get off the couch, do some movement, do some things that were calming and relaxing, de-stressing, and then follow along and it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and let me say, there's nothing wrong with that. If you if that's if you know that's what you want, and that and that is what you want, then that's fine. the The pitfall there is for people who think that they're getting the real, complete art of Tai Chi, and that's, that's all. That's all Tai Chi is, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and so yeah, for those who don't know any better, that can be a huge pitfall because they're not going to end up getting what they wanted out of it. But for those who do know, and that is what they want. You know that's fine. I'm not trying to say there's something wrong with you for wanting that. Um, they, no, uh, you know, you know, ju just saying that that's um, an alternative, and some people are happy with that because I am involved in um, a, a local Tai Chi group um, semi regularly, and just introduced aspects of of clear Tai Chi occasionally to people who say, you know, I can do this or that, or even give uh, demonstrations. Some people might say, oh, that's really good, you know. But um, no one expresses much interest in, you know, learning it so far as like I I want to have that, you know, and I've, you know, really demonstrated some skills. They just they just like the, you know, Saturday morning practice, and some I don't think even um, 
fact, it's much more than that. But you know, again, that's that's for just me, their appreciation. For me, the problem comes in when they misunderstand and they thought that going to that class and doing that thing and following along with the choreography would give them help with things like asthma, would give them help for things like the being able to fight off the COVID and the way that we were able to take with Jim, uh, who's not on the call today, but but uh, and where he was about to have to go on a ventilator and made it so he did not have to go on a ventilator. And two days later, it was like he didn't have it um, with the stuff we were doing with the Tai Chi, that you get somebody that's got some bad arthritis and they're thinking the Tai Chi is going to help them. And if they've got the kind that just doing some moving around to help them, fine. But if they've got something a little more than that, that's not it. You're going to have to do some of the internal things from the Tai Chi to get those benefits. And they, so they think that attending the follow-along class is magically going to cure all their ails because Tai Chi is known for that. And that's not the kind of Tai Chi they were doing in those studies. It wasn't just get up and follow us. They did the Tai Chi that was meant to, and the things were the Tai Chi that were meant to help for that stuff. And most people who, who've heard about it, they don't realize that. And so they end up doing the follow along, going, I'm not getting the benefits from this. And you're not going to. And that then that becomes part of the that public misinformation thing. And it hurts the art as a whole. What I've noticed lately too is that some people think it's different. Like they'll come in and they'll say, "Oh no, I what I wanted was the qigong. This isn't the right class." And I'm like, "Well, that's that's part of it. Like it's not a different thing, but they, it's like the terminology of tai chi or qigong to them, it's a different thing." Yeah, and certainly there are qigongs that are not appropriate to tai chi and that are outside the realm of tai chi. But if you're doing real tai chi, it should include qigong. <laughs> it should be a pretty big part of it. Well, what is qigong? Qi, energy. Gong is work. Energy, work. And if you're doing tai chi at Li level, that's not qigong. That's physical structure stuff, which you do need for good qigong. As soon as you start doing it at the next level of skill, of, of, of understanding with the qi level, it's all qigong. Yep. Well, one of the problems here is I've met a gentleman who has absolutely wonderful Qigong, but he tells his students he's teaching them Tai Chi. Oh, yeah. 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 There's because, a couple of programs out there nationally, internationally, where they're calling it Tai Chi and it's Qigong. It's not Tai Chi. And yeah. that's a because then again, if they see the actual Tai Chi, Tai Chi twin, and they're like, well, that's not what I learned. Yeah, because they weren't teaching you Tai Chi. That's why. And then they don't know that they don't, you know, and then you've got the problem of, well, they told me that. So now you're saying something different. Who's telling the truth? And they, you know, they don't know what they don't know. And for that kind of thing, what I'll usually do is, okay, so you're familiar with the different families of Tai Chi, Yang and Wu and Chen at all. Sometimes they don't know that. And it's like, well, so the, the worldwide there's, there's, you know, and you give them some background there and you go, now here's some Wu style. You can pull up your phone these days, YouTube. There's some Yang stylists. There are some Wu stylists. There are some Chen stylists. Now that looks like what you were learning, does it? And yet these are the people that are the most prominent kind. If you put those three together, there's more of that kind of Tai Chi worldwide than any of their kind. And what you did doesn't look like anything like any of that. But it looks like what I'm doing, doesn't it? At least some, enough, comparatively. Mm. And why that is, is because this is Tai Chi. That's not Tai Chi. They told you it was, I get that. But something else. And Qigong is great. 
you know, so it's not like it's a it's a it's a slap to the what they did. It's just that they mislabeled it, hoping that they would catch a different segment of the market because more people in America are familiar with Tai Chi than they are Qigong. Or when I say familiar, they've seen it on TV and have, oh, that's Tai Chi. You know, they know it by they see somebody moving slow doing the stuff, whether it's Tai Chi or not. And they go, that's Tai Chi. You say Qigong, they're like, what? So it sells, so it's it's got more name recognition and so they're using that to promote the other thing when they really ought to call it what it is but it comes with the problems of now they got to explain to people what they're doing why do that when you can mislead a lot more people the other day yikes <laughs> well so you've kind of been weighing in as we go but do you have any examples or anything else you're uh, going to share of the of the kind of the longer term pitfalls or the the no, just the, I mean, the one that comes to mind was that there was a lady here that was teaching the Tai Chi that is the Qigong that's masquerading as Tai Chi, and it's not very good Qigong either, and it doesn't even do what it says it's supposed to do, and we had two different situations with that. The first one was that there was a student of mine that knew these three ladies that were interested in Tai Chi, he said. And I was like, tell them to come in and check out a couple free, like two weeks of free classes. Kept saying, we kept having that interaction. They kept not coming. And I finally said, well, tell them that I'll charge them like half price if they, if they decided something they want to do or whatever. And he did that. And finally, I said, tell them I'll teach them for free. Because it just kept going, kept going, kept going. And then he came back and said, okay, now I know what the real problem is. They had done the Tai Chi with this other person had got no benefits of it from of any kind whatsoever. And what they told him is they said, this Tai Chi is crap. You couldn't pay me to come to the classes. I don't know why you've been bugging us about this. And we're never gonna do Tai Chi because we saw what they had when we studied with that lady. And it was like, oh my God. So the harm that that lady did to the art every time she was teaching a class is in my opinion, immeasurable. And there's a whole bunch of people doing that. And so that's that's a scarier thing to me for that. Um, Don't judge your Tai Chi by its cover. Well, well, maybe, maybe, maybe in that case, you should should realize that the, the, that 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 Tai Chi was just a cover and there was nothing under the surface. But um, but there is a lot more to real authentic Tai Chi Chuan. Like, you know, you, you I, anybody listening to this podcast has probably heard that Tai Chi is an art that could be studied for a lifetime. And it's true. And that is not true of 108 moves. There's no form out there that you're just going to study that alone for your entire lifetime or any. Yeah, there's nothing. There's the, the Tai Chi, Even. real Tai Chi is so sophisticated and, and has so much to do with what you feel. And our, and our, point, feel. And our point is choreography is choreography. Don't confuse that with the actual Tai Chi. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and even if they're calling it Tai Chi, it might not actually be Tai Chi. So, you know, so take everything with a grain of salt and do your homework. Um, the good news is there are legitimate resources out there for you so that you can do that homework, clear Tai Chi. Obviously, we're trying to be more and more and more of a resource like that with everything that we're doing. Uh, the Roadmap to Tai Chi Mastery book um, and the lecture that he's done. Um, really trying to spell things out for people so that you can avoid these pitfalls in the future. 
um, and, and for your training. Harry, uh, if you're wanting to weigh should in. We, yeah, should we address uh, just briefly uh, Tai Chi being said for marketing purposes, Tai Chi Twin being the full deal with the Marshall? Because some people may not realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the ways to do it is, is there Tai Chi, Tai Chi Twin, or is it just Tai Chi? Because the Tai Chi right. became a name, too, for doing pretty much just the health method. Right, but but we're certainly not that. Even the health method, it's just the follow-along class of do the moves, the choreography, right, um, and like that. And the Tai Chi Twin, which is, which is a martial art, that doesn't mean there's a super heavy emphasis on the martial in the beginning, but it is a martial art and a complete one with strikes and grapples and pressure point striking and with uh, defensive counter grapples and defenses against strikes and the whole thing all the way through. And it doesn't look like MMA because one of the biggest differences there is that if you go, hey, we're going to do some kind of a sport competition, even extreme, like, like most people wouldn't want to be in that because it's too harsh, sport competition. There's a difference between that and real self-defense. Real self-defense, as long as you can, even if you're not in the best of shape and you can walk, you know, a half a block, you can do defense, you can defend yourself. But that is different than having a fist fight with somebody or even a kick, kickboxing, grappling fist fight with somebody. That's that's a competition. All you're gonna do to win in self-defense is go, hey, if I if I go, I quit, I'm out, and you walk out of there, this fight's over. And in MMA, you can absolutely do that. And it would be smart self-defense. It would be poor MMA. The, uh, but for a self-defense situation, unfortunately, you do that most of the time. If they were attacking you, that fight's not over. The good news is they have to get to you. They have to be able to do something to you. And there's all kinds of stuff you can do that's self-defense, including run them over with your car, including, you know, if you're in a car and they're attacking you like that, or you manage to get in your car and they're in front of you, that's bad MMA. That will never fly in MMA. But self-defense-wise, you might have a problem if you ran them over and you could have shown that you could have just driven off, by the way. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving you legal advice. But what I'm saying is real self-defense involves a lot of things that are not just slugging it out with somebody. It's, did you live through it? Did you, are you okay? Are you going to, you know, reasonably, physically, mentally, spiritually, these kinds of things? And what did it involve to do that? And most of the time, even older folks can really defend themselves. It's a matter of learning how. Tai Chi does this very well. Uh, and then if you were younger and stronger and, and fit for MMA and then wanted to use Tai Chi principles and put the time and effort into the study, it'll work that way too. Um, it's not, in my opinion, overly meant for that, uh, but it is doable. The problem is most people, by the time they start getting into Tai Chi, Tai Chi Twin far enough to have that, they're already over the hill for what most people who are in, you know, you get exceptions in MMA, somebody who's 40 plus fighting in there, but that's not the average age. Average age is like 22 or something, 23, 24, because that's the age where you can afford to go in there and slug it out and be grappling like me, you know, all these things and be okay. But you start getting 40, 50, 60 years old, you might be a physical specimen and minded enough that you're doing that, but most people are not. So simple. And so Tai Chi Chuen is the actual art. It is the whole thing, not just the parts. And if it's Tai Chi, it might have a bunch of the things in terms of level of ability, both the physical or the Li and the Qi level and the mind or the E level and the Jings. 
any other things. But quite commonly, if they have those other things, it probably really is Tai Chi Chuen. Yang style Tai Chi really is, if it's Yang style family members being taught by them and their style and their system, it is Tai Chi Chuen. The same thing is true for Chen style, more noticeably usually than the others. The same thing is true for Wu style. The same thing is true for Wudong style. The same thing is true for most of the ones that you that you can go and that there's a bunch of. But just because you see Yang style Tai Chi on the door or Wu style Tai Chi on the door does not mean they are teaching Tai Chi to win the complete art. Yeah, they might just know the form. Buyer beware. Um, right. Well, it's in the health benefits and everything else, but not know them. Well, and also like for us, clear Tai Chi. So that don't assume that we don't have the full thing as well. That just makes it easy for people uh, in today's modern world. They haven't really heard Tai Chi Twin. They've heard Tai Chi. So that's part of the marketing side of that. So you would have, as a potential student, you have questions to ask your school or the potential well, teacher. And the, the, we've been careful about this, as you guys all here know, and anybody who's listening that's been watching us for a while, been careful to make sure to keep a quality control that I don't let people continue in our system that are like, ah, I'm just going to teach the form and then that's it. And that's all everybody's ever going to get. I'm like, okay, you need to go study somewhere else and do not call that clear Tai Chi because it's not. Because we are doing the whole art. Yeah, Ty. Well, something else that people have to be careful about, and uh, I'm not going to mention the school here in San Antonio, but they talk about how they will teach push hands and they'll teach applications and they'll teach, yes, we teach all of those things also, but they won't teach them until they've been there for any place between eight and 10 years. And right. then we'll start doing push hands. Then we'll start worrying about applications. And I'm like, the thing you have to be concerned about when you get a school that's not going to introduce things that are considered part and parcel of the art. So in other words, if they said it's an advanced skill that you're going to build up to in that time, and it takes that many years to get all the things you need to be able to do that, that makes sense. When you're saying you're not going to put hands on for any kind of push hands until you've been here for eight or 10 years, what that normally, there are exceptions, but what it normally means is that none of the students and the teachers are skilled at it because most people in martial arts school or martial art don't last past three to five years. You get exceptions to that, but it means the pool of people that they're actually able to interact with on those advanced skills is exceptionally small. Yes. And because it's that small, how much skill can they really have with it? And like I said, there are exceptions. But the common thing is their skill is very, very low because most of the time they're doing whatever the beginner's first couple years, three years of instruction are doing. So what you've seen with mine is that if you've been with me for that for two or three years, really doing it, you've got fogong the qigong healing for yourself, fogong healing for others. You've got all of the basic skills with the 20 different ways to do the tai, tai chi at that level of doing it. That's the first six months, six to nine months, right? The uh, That you've got things that are intermediate that you've been pushing since you might not have pushed for the first six weeks to three months. But after that, you're pushing regularly. And if you've been with me two or three years, you probably have level one push hands and then more. If I can help it, you've also got at least level two, which has, by most people's standards, advanced stuff in it. Not high level for our standards, but by most people's Tai Chi standards, that's like senior, that's like high, high level stuff. And I part of the reason for that for me is I want people who've got skill to play with. 
And even if they don't have the skill of it yet, they have the understanding of it. And they know what they're doing to build the skill of it. Because now you can do that and everybody's able to play and everybody's level is going to go up. But if it was like, hey, you got to be here 10 years before you learn the first part of that, everybody, including my skill level, would stay low. And so I'm, and that's, yeah. So that, yeah. that's what happens. That means even your teachers, normally your teachers, they don't have enough time hands-on with people who have any skill. Harry, what are you, what are you trying I to I was say? just going to interject. Frankly, there's stuff in your level one that for most is considered high level, even though we know better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We get that a lot. Um, we, it, we, we host workshops regularly and we have people come in from out of town who have been Tai Chi students for somewhere, you know, somewhere for 10, 15, 20 years. And they'll interact with some of our first and second year students and say, how do your people have this? Well, the first thing they'll be like, oh man, skill? how long have you been doing it? Right. Uh, about, so a year. about a year. And, and then, then their eyes cross and then they come to me with like their brain melting out of their ear and they say, how does your, how do your students getting this crazy skill in such a short period of time? And it really is. The curriculum is structured for that. Um, and so I was, uh, you know, we're running a little short on time. I was going to actually pose this question to the group, but you all in your various ways have actually answered it throughout the course of the discussion. So instead, I'm just going to kind of wrap up and talk about how clear Tai Chi as a system. Oh, uh, Jim? Yeah, I just want to say something quickly. You know, one of the ways to find out, are you going to get it quickly, is find out at what point am I going to learn this? Am I going to have to test up to a certain colored sash or belt level before I start learning it? And I think that's going to be sort of an indicator or a red flag that, yeah, you're probably not really going to get it here. Well, you ask him what the normal amount of time is to test out of that. So like if ours, I said, well, in order to get that, you'd be in love, you'd be in our intermediate program, which means you have to test out a level one and say, how long does that take? Average student, six months, six months, you know, or so. Okay. So I'll be here six months doing these basics and then I'm going to get that other stuff. Yeah. You know, and so that's not so bad, or even if it was nine months or a year, but if it's like, oh, first you got to do white belt, what, what are you talking about? White belt, green belt, brown belt. You know, the 10 belts, how long does that take to have a student? About five to 10 years. That's when I get to learn that stuff. You know, that's a long time. Depending on what they're asking about, that's a long time. All right. Well, I'm sure we could go on endlessly, but we do not have endless time. So let me quick wrap this up. So how clear type, how does clear type chi as a system help us avoid these pitfalls? And like I said, I was going to pose this to the group, but you all have kind of answered it. And so just to try to kind of summarize what, we have been talking about, first of all, in Clear Tai Chi, we start with a very short form. We take the emphasis off the choreography and we put it onto the quality of movement, not the quantity of your moves. When you have that quality of movement down, then it's easy to add more choreography later and have it all be correct. But when you're focusing on the choreography up front, that, that takes a lot of time off, or that adds a lot of time to your training. Uh, that's that's unnecessary. And so in clear Tai Chi, we just don't do that as a system. We start everyone with an eight or a 13 move form, and we give them lots and lots of variations of that form with different internal body mechanics and qualities and expressions to play with inside of that form, the way Tai Chi is really meant to be practiced. Um, we, we do have applications, um, specific self-defense martial applications for each of the moves. And the way they're presented throughout the curriculum is strategic. At the beginning, the emphasis is not so much on your ability to do the applications, but there are certain applications that ideally you would know, 
so that you know better what the choreography is supposed to be and how far you're supposed to turn and all the little kind of nuances that are tough to explain one at a time. But if you know the right martial applications for the moves, it's easy to remember it all and do your form correctly and get the best health benefit out of it you can. Later, the emphasis is more on your ability to really use it. And then that speaks to your internal qualities. Are your principles right? Is your, is your power correct? Are you really in, uh, up and down correctly? Are you really balanced and centered correctly? And if you're not, then you're not going to be able to use your self-defense applications. And so it becomes a really great check for your internal power. And it keeps going that way. That, that's not just true of the applications. That's true of all of the material and all of the curriculum as you go up the ladder in, uh, in the clear Tai Chi system. Um, we really don't let people just stop at a thimbleful of skill. There's an exposure level, but it is communicated very directly that this is an exposure to the skill set and you're going to want to work this more. And then typically there's specific measurable goals for people um, along the way so that they know how much progress they've made and whether or not they are continuing to develop as they go through their training. Um, and then really uh, the kind of the last thing that got touched on is that we do have this built in, at least in our, in our live instructors and in the organizational element of it that way. We have a built-in sort of quality control on our teachers. And what that really comes down to is, are our teachers committed to their students' development? And everybody in the organization, everyone who has remained a teacher in Clear Tai Chi, that is true, that they, that they are 100% committed to their students' development because that's how we measure our success. That's how we measure our progress. Um, and so just as a culture, uh, you know, Clear Tai Chi is really all about spreading the art in that way and getting the real complete art of Tai Chi in the hands of more people. Um, and, uh, and so uh, I point all of that out because you can join us either by finding one of these wonderful regional organizers or a Clear Tai Chi member school near you and joining classes. Or if there's not one available, you can check out clearmartialarts.com and get all of the level one curriculum that has been designed specifically to help people avoid these pitfalls and get a maximum amount of Tai Chi skill in a short uh, as period of time as possible. Like he said, our level one program typically takes new students about six months, but we regularly have people coming in from other schools asking us how our level one students got 20 years worth of skill in such a short period of time. It's because we, help you navigate all those pitfalls so you don't step in any. Um, and there's more to it than just that, but that's one of the biggest benefits of the Clear Tai Chi program is that it has been really carefully thought out from beginning to end to make sure that you really get the skills. So please, uh, if you're interested in Tai Chi, if you've been looking for a good school, a good teacher, check us out online, check, check and see if there's a regional organizer in your area, but if not, don't fret because the complete Clear Tai Chi curriculum is available online at clearmartialarts.com. And, uh, and you can come and put hands on. You can come and put hands on and get, get a, a firsthand feel of everything at the Tai Chi Gathering in June. Tai Chi Gathering.com for that one. Um, and, uh, and we're looking forward to it already. We, we were looking forward to it like the week after the last one ended. So, uh, so please, please make the time. Uh, check, check us out online, 
and come and join us if you can um, and get hands on with all these great folks that are that are weighing in on these calls for us. So that, that's my that's my two cents. Everybody hang out for a second when we turn it off there. And we'll... Anybody had uh, anything to add or wrap up with? No. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. Appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll end the recording here. Great topic, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Good.